So, do you have things that, that come into your life and you enjoy them so much that, that they sort of end up kind of consuming you? Uh, maybe it's a personality thing, but, but that's kind of the way uh, I am. You know, something will, will capture me a bit and I'll enjoy it. And, and before I know it, I'm just spending all my time and energy uh, pursuing that thing. A few years ago, I, uh, I discovered a cowboy Kent Rowlings and some of his uh, recipes. Uh, this is back in the day when you could afford to buy steaks to barbecue and so on. And, and so I just began cooking. All the, I just was always watching his videos, trying this meat, trying this marin. I even tried a tequila marinade recipe of his. It was terrible, man. I don't know why anybody drinks that. It just tasted terrible. I could barely eat it, but I'm too cheap to throw things away. So, but you know, so kind of did that. And then, and then last summer, you know, finally was able to get a bike after waiting with COVID the whole deal, you know. And so uh, for a while there, I was just consumed with, with riding my bike. I always think of excuses. I'm going to ride my bike and watching all the YouTube videos. How do you maintain it? How do you, what's the best way to ride up a hill? How do you do this? And so I spent hours, I'm sure, uh, either watching stuff on my bike or riding my bike. Just sort of let it consume my life. And, and now, right now, uh, we, last a month ago, we got a new puppy. So you know that that consumes your life. <laughs> and so my, you know, I'm either training the dog and I'm learning all about the operating conditioning of the four quadrants of operating conditions of this puppy and all the diving into those things, training this dog. Maybe it's a personality thing. But for me, I find these things that, that give me joy and they just sort of consume me. I just sort of throw myself wholeheartedly into them and, and I find myself thinking about them and dreaming about them and doing them, all of these sort of things. It's funny the things that will consume you, you know. A number of years ago, I was uh, following some stuff on, on some guys uh, down in, uh, in, in Washington State, I think it is, who uh, established this church built on triads and different things and relationships, kind of good stuff. But one of them kind of specializes in, in counseling. He's the counselor on staff. And he talked about how one time he just sort of got consumed with, with cereal. I don't know what it was in his life, but he just sort of started really enjoying cereal, you know, Rice Krispies, cornflakes. stuff. He said, I knew I had a problem. I was in a counseling one session one time. This person is pouring out of their, their mouth and out their heart and their life and so on. And out of my mouth was saying, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, when I get done here, I'm going to have a big bowl of cereal. And so it can happen to us, right? We can find even good things, and they can consume us and take us over. Well, today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, which, which really is this invitation to be consumed with someone who gives us joy and to pursue that with all of our being. Really, the passage to me, it just kind of reminds me about a party. And so we're going to talk about, about uh, uh, that it's a party, this whole thing about, about being a follower of Jesus, the thing about being in the body of Christ. It, it's a party. And then we're going to look a little bit about this invitation to come in and to stay at the party. How do you get the invitation? How do you come through the doors? And then how do you make sure you stay in the good times of the party? And then the last little bit, I want to talk about getting to know the host of the party. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. Let's read it together, and I'm sure you'll be able to pick out uh, those things. It's a party. Come in and stay in and get to know the host. Here we go. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. That's our theme for the year, right? Rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs those evildoers. 
those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have all kinds of reasons for that kind of confidence. Here they are. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, exactly the day you're supposed to be circumcised in, not put off or before your head. Uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, like the strict guys, the guys that really make sure they toe the line. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. I went all over finding these followers of Jesus and persecution. As for righteousness on the law, faultless. I kept it. And when I messed up, I sacrificed to cover them over it. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, the host of this party. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Hmm. It's a party. Come on in and stay and get to know the host. It really is a party, and that's sort of how he starts off. He begins with that little phrase, rejoice in the Lord. That, that's the sense of the party. Now, it's kind of interesting because there's a couple of different ways that you can take this phrase, rejoice in the Lord, and both of them are awesome, and both of them are possible, and both of them are a source of great joy. Rejoice in the Lord. It could be, listen, you're in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the fact that we are saved, that, that no longer are we under the consequences of our sin. We're saved from death. We have life forever. We are loved by the living God, the creator and sustainer of all things. His eye and his heart is upon you and for you. He desires to gather you up. He begins to gather us up together and carry us through the storm we just sung about. He is the God who has empowered us by the Holy Spirit to live our life with the wisdom of God himself when we have decisions to make and the power of the Spirit to push through the difficulties and the trials and the temptations. He has put us in a family of every race and every color and every political stripe that there is and every socioeconomic difference. He has gathered us all together as one family to love each other in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we have direct access to the living God. No need for rigmaroles and got to go through this and got to go through that and got to go through him and got to go through her. No, you have direct access in Christ to the living God. And so we can rejoice in the Lord. We can rejoice in all of these things and many more that God has given us. But there's another way in which you can be taken. And it's this. Rejoice in the Lord. 
Rejoice in who Jesus is. Rejoice in this God of compassion and mercy, this Jesus who, who stood for the weak and embraced the outcast and raised the dead and comforted the heartbroken and gives hope to the masses and conquers death. We can rejoice in Jesus and in who he is. And to be honest with you, uh, both of those possibilities are real. But I think I kind of, given the rest of the passage, I sort of suspect that Paul's emphasis is in this, this second idea. That, yeah, yeah, it's good. We can rejoice in all that God has given for us. But, man, if we can learn to rejoice in the Lord, in who he is, and just find our delight and our heart in the person and the life of Jesus, Son of God, our Savior. All kinds of reasons to rejoice in the Lord. And he said it's important that we have this party. It's important that we understand that that joy in the Lord is, is to be the modus operandi of our life. It should be the expression of our corporate gatherings together. Why? He says because it's a safeguard for you. What's that mean? How is it a safeguard? Well, remember when we started looking at this book of Philippians, we saw that there was, there was a couple of things that were threatening these believers in Jesus. And the first thing, the most serious thing, to be honest with you, that was threatening them is that there was sort of this division in the relationships creeping into the church. And people were starting to be selfish. And people were starting to put their own interests above the interests and the cares and the needs of their brothers and sisters and they begin to think that I'm a little bit higher than you and you're a little bit lower than me. And so, and so this division was kind of coming in there. And not only that, but now we had these false teachers that we're going to spend a couple of minutes looking at who were coming in and they were threatening the question or the how is it that you come into this party? And what do you need to do to stay in this party? And so the Philippian Christians were under, under these threats of division and selfishness and I'm better than you and all those things and, and false teaching. And Paul was saying, no, 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 you need to understand something. If you will maintain this joy, if you remember that we need to rejoice in the Lord, that he is the center of all things, it will be a safeguard for you. It will keep you safe from relational back breakdown. It will keep you safe from the destructive forces and powers of selfishness. It will keep you safe from forgetting about the grace that saves us in Christ. It's a safeguard for you. Because you see, we need to remember how it is that we're to come on in and stay in this party. We're to be reminded and dwell in and stand upon the reality that faith in Jesus is the doorway into the party. Look at verse 8 and 9 again, just to, just to remind us of it, because it says it so, so clearly in there. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found him. You see the centrality of Christ. Not having a righteousness, a right relationship with God and creation and each other. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And to be found in him, not 
from a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. It's faith in Christ. Let's kind of break this down. Righteousness that comes by faith. Righteousness, you know, we kind of know that righteousness, as I said, it basically means right relationship. That's my easy way of remembering what righteousness means. It means to be in a right or a good relationship with God, with each other, and with creation itself. That's righteousness, and it comes through faith or trust in Jesus. But what about this whole thing about, about faith? You see, did you notice in those verses, faith comes up actually twice. At the middle of the verse, faith in Christ, and at the end of the verse, through faith. And here's why. There's a couple of ways you can understand that middle one of faith there. That's why when we first read it, it had that little A beside it, because if you look down at the bottom of your page, it'll say, all the faithfulness of Christ. So it's the righteousness that comes from God through the faithfulness of Christ on the basis of faith. See, what it's saying is this. Christ is faithful to you. He is faithful to love you, to care for you, to desire to forgive you, to lay his life down for you, to walk with you, to continually wash away your sins and through his faithfulness. Christ is faithful to you and Christ is faithful to God the Father. Christ is faithful to the mission. And it's this faithfulness of Christ. When we are faithless, when we mess up, when we drop the ball, Jesus remains faithful. And in his faithfulness, we put our faith, we put our trust. And we can be confident in our salvation and in all those riches of being in Christ because Jesus is faithful. Do you see how that goes? The faithfulness of Christ carries out all that's necessary to come into the party and to stay in the party. And we put our trust in the faithfulness of Jesus because you know and I know that we mess up. Even after we've confessed Christ, we drop the ball, we mess up. And when we do that, we look back to the faithfulness of Jesus and say we're still in the party. We can still rejoice in spite of me dropping the ball. It's such a beautiful message. It's such an awesome truth. But I don't know about you, but like me and the Philippians, I'm tempted to leave the party. I'm tempted at times to to no longer have that as the, the core and as the center of the way in which I got into the party and the way in which I stay in the party. And so that's why Paul warns me. He says, listen, watch out. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, we need to camp here for a minute and just kind of figure out what that is for us. These are the people that have come into the church in Philippi. And they said, listen, it's great that you trust and have faith in the faithfulness of Christ. That's, that's good. That's how you get into covenant with God, and that's a good thing. But listen, if you want to stay in the party, if you want to continue to have a good time, then you need to realize that there's other things that you need to be doing to, to kind of add to the work of Jesus. You need to, you need to obey the law, uh, symbolized and, and, and captured by this, this rite of circumcision. Listen, man, if you want to stay in, if you want to be good with God, you've got to start doing some stuff. You have got to put some effort into this whole event if you want to stay in the party. 
And Paul says, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> These guys are dogs. Now, dogs, evildoers, mutates. We kind of think, well, that's kind of a nasty thing to say. You shouldn't go around calling people names. But there's some specific things that Paul has in mind here. You see, in the Bible, if you trace it through, dogs were, were not like your pet, like my little greasy there, you know, hugger and kind of. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to not get captured by that. <laughs> not those kind of dogs, but the dogs were curs. They were scavengers. They were, it's the idea of, of they were unclean. And so the idea is that, that if, you, if you didn't keep the law, then you were unclean. And, and, and it, you can see in Scripture that, that even Jews would call other Jews dogs because unclean if they didn't keep, didn't keep the law. There's a couple of little Scriptures that you can look at there. And so it's like, look, <laughs> you know, these people, they're coming in there saying that you're not, you're not keeping the law, that you're a dog, but I'm going to flip this around and they're actually the dog. And he says, the, the evildoers. Now, this isn't because they'd invited Jeffrey Dahmer into the church and he's carrying on his stuff. Evildoers were people who didn't keep the law, who didn't do the good works of the Jewish law. That's, that's what that's capturing. The mutilators of the flesh, well, you know what that is going back to this whole circumcision of things. And these, he said, these are people who have taken the act of circumcision, the, the ritual of circumcision, and they, they've, they've divorced it from the meaning as a sign of being in covenant with God, and they've made the ritual itself the significant things. And forgot about the meaning and just made it a thing of the flesh. Just something that people do. And they've lost the idea of faithfulness to God and the covenant and they're saying, listen, if you, if you want to stay in this party, <laughs> you, need to, you need to be circumcised. You need to keep the law. You need to follow through with the rights that are given to us. Because if, if you're going to be in the party, man, there's stuff that you have to do. And what Paul is doing is he's flipping this around. He's saying that you're coming in here and these people are telling you that you're not in the party anymore because you're not doing all this stuff. But let me tell you something, it's this. If you go back to that stuff, you're the one that's left the party. That's what he's saying. To these people, they're the ones who are dogs. They're the ones that aren't keeping covenant because they're not putting all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're the ones that are mutilated the fence because they put their trust in, in the physical act of circumcision instead of the meaning of circumcision, of the goodness of grace of God for the Jews. And so he's flipped it around and said, you actually are the ones who are the circumcision. You with faith in Christ, you're the ones who are remaining in covenant. You're the ones who are still in the party. And these ones that are demanding more, they are out of the party. Paul says, listen, I understand this stuff. And he's got this whole list of stuff about how good he is at being a Jew, a cop notch in, in his descendancy, and in his heritage, in his practice of the law, all of those things. He said, if anybody had need to have confidence in being and staying in the party by stuff that people do or by their heritage, it's me. And you know what? It's all manure. It's all garbage compared to what Jesus has done. You see, what he's saying is that legalism puts you out of the party and crushes your joy. The first stealer of joy that Paul lists here is rule keeping and thinking that if we're going to stay in the party, we better start measuring up or we are out. And, you know, we look at those things that, that Paul lists, you know, the whole circumcision and the law and stuff, and we think, well, yeah, you know, I'm not really into that, but... You know, as Christians, we have our own list, don't we? 
And it's easy to start counting on that list to think that, man, if I don't do this stuff, I'm really not going to be in good with God. And if I want to stay in the party, I, better, I just better make sure I'm shaped up in this stuff. And, and so maybe it's, maybe it's that you haven't missed devotions for five years. You've been in your Bible every single day and you haven't missed a day for five years. And maybe it's tithing. You know, man, I, I always give my 10%. One dollar comes into my house, 10% of that, and a dime goes out to the ministry. Maybe it's watching our language and we never cuss without due cause. Maybe it's serving and you're absolutely worn out because, man, if something's going on that needs to be done, I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to make sure that that gets done. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So I'm, going to, I'm just going to be the best servant that there is. And these are all good things that we do. But the danger is when we start to think that that's what gets us in good with God. The danger is when we start to think that, that this is what makes me be loved by God are these things and this is what's going to keep me in the party and this is what's going to get me into heaven and that's what's going to make me a part of the new creation. You know how to test yourself whether it's become a thing for you? I'll tell you the test I run through in my own life when I start to think that, oh, I'm counting on this instead of Jesus. It's when stuff starts to go wrong in my life and I'm like, hey, I've been doing my devotions. Hey, why am I struggling financially? I've been given 10% since I've been 17 years old. Hey, how come no one's paying attention to my need? I've been serving in this church all my life. And so when we start to, do you find yourself doing that? Maybe I, I'm always the worst of sinners. Paul's got nothing on me, mate. But these thoughts come to my mind. And when I start to think about those things, and I start to have those attitudes, I begin to realize, Jones, You're a dog, an evildoer, and a mutilator of the flesh. Because you're starting to count on things that you do. And on your faithfulness. And not the faithfulness of Jesus. And if I ever start counting just on my faithfulness, man, I am in big trouble. Because I last like half an hour. And i got to reorient myself back. To no, 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 no. I'm in this party. And I stay in this party. Because of Jesus. And I need to rejoice in the Lord. Now, does that mean that we don't do anything? Does that mean that we just sort of float along and we don't really pay much attention to any of this stuff? Perfect. Don't have to serve, don't have to worship, don't have to give, don't have to do any of that stuff because I'm depending on the faithfulness. No, 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 no. We do. And that's this whole part of what we do when we've been invited into the party and we're in the party. We put all our efforts in getting to know the host. And these things that we do, we do because we have a desperation to know Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's a drive. Look at verses 10 and 11 again. I think we're going to have them on the screen, I think. Maybe not. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And these are, these are passionate, passionate words. And contrast that desire to know Christ 
with the good things in your life, like your pet dog that maybe consume you, your hobbies, your friendships, your business, your health regime, your whatever. Good things. But how does your passion for knowing Christ drive you towards doing whatever is necessary to get to know him more fully? How does it compare with that? To know the power of his resurrection, that is, to understand the spiritual transformation that takes place within my life and within your life as the Holy Spirit takes us from a dead person, the Bible says, to somebody who is alive in Jesus and we begin to think and act and love and care and serve like Jesus. That's the power of the resurrection, to take us from who we were to who Christ is and who we are in Christ. Am I passionate about knowing the power and pursuing that power that does that in my life? Am I passionate about sharing in the fellowship of his suffering? <laughs> no. That's kind of a weird thing. What's he driving at, though? I think there's a couple of things kept in there. The first thing is to, to, to participate in his suffering is this. is to remember that Jesus suffered because I sin. That his suffering on the cross, he did for me. And the more I consider what Jesus has done for me and continues to do for me, the more passionate about him I become because how can I not love a God who is willing to die for me and suffer for me? And not only that, but to share in the sufferings of Christ. You know what that is? It's to take upon myself the heart of Jesus. And Paul's going to talk in, just a, in, this, in a few verses about with tears in his eyes. The people who don't know Christ. It's to have the heart of God that when we see oppression and injustice and brokenness and people being trapped in whatever it is that traps them, that our heart shatters just like the heart of God shatters when he sees people in that state. It's to take upon ourselves the sufferings of Christ that we look at the world that is at each other's throats and dropping bombs and shooting missiles and enslaving and trafficking and oppressing and not forgiving and all of those things and to have our heart broken by that so that we can do what we can in the power of the Spirit to enter into that suffering and bring the news of Jesus to those lives. To be like him in his death. To be dead to sin as Jesus is dead to sin, Romans chapter 6. And somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. It's not somehow I said, okay, back, you know, back to what he wasn't saying, like I'm going to scramble to get the resurrection today. If it meant that, it would be undoing everything he just said. No, no, no. What he means by to somehow attain the resurrection of the dead, it's this. It's to be captured with amazement that God would love me and raise me from the dead by his death. It's to just consider how small I am and how <laughs> rebellious I am and how sig insignificant to the world I am. And yet God died for me and conquered death in my life and will raise me from the dead. And to pursue to get to know this Savior, that this is what he did. Because this is who he is.
So how do I do that? How do I get to know the host of this joyous party of faith in the grace of God? Well, we do it through the disciplines of joy. And a few of them are listed here in the text. He starts off by saying, hey, we are the ones who serve in the Spirit. This is a, a discipline of, 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 of joy. It's an amazing thing to go and to serve somebody and some people or a people group or a circumstance where people are broken and shattered and hurting and lonely and afraid and somehow to enter into the, the, the brokenness of that life and have the Spirit of God flow through you to make a difference in those circumstances. Because when we do that, we begin to get to know Jesus in a way that is far deeper than just reading about it in the book because we live it out and we're amazed at the difference that it can make. The simple truth is, if I'm not serving, I'm not going to know Jesus at all. Because even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. But we serve not to earn our way you know, to God's graces. We serve because this is who Jesus is. And if I want to know who Jesus is, I should be doing the things that Jesus does, which means I need to be serving somehow in the kingdom of God. He says, we are the one who boast in Christ. These are the disciplines of worship, of when we come and we sing these songs, and we have these meditations of our hearts, and sometimes we shout with great celebration and sometimes we sit quietly and just to be amazed at the stillness of knowing the truth that he is God. But these, these disciplines of worship, they introduce us in fresh and new ways evermore to the goodness of Christ. To boast in Christ is the discipline of witness. To share with those who God brings into our life the goodness of Jesus. To boast in Christ and who he is. And all that he has done. He said, I want to know Christ. We know Christ through study and through prayer. It's why we do those devotions. Not because, you know, they're at the brownie point. It's because, no, 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 no. It's because this is the word of God. And in the word of God, God himself is revealed as we come to understand it. And we pray. We pray to help us understand these words. We pray to have this direct connection with God. We pray and open up our hearts and the Holy Spirit himself will whisper to you in your prayers. And sometimes he will shout to you in your circumstances of life. And we get to know Christ by giving. And this is the whole reason for the, for the letter. That Epaphroditus was sent back is that they got a bit of trouble going on there. But, but, but the reason that he came to Paul was to give Paul, remember, the gift, some financial assistance. And, and Paul's going to say later on that, that gift, that financial gift, that was a sacrifice of praise. And as we give sacrificially, we get to know about the faithfulness of God. As Paul goes and is going to go on and say, Listen, <laughs> I know it's tough for you to give right now, I understand that. Because I've learned to do content in riches and in poverty when I've got money, when I haven't got money. I've, I've learned both. And in both, I've got to know Christ deeper. These are just some of the disciplines of joy that we can have. And the, the truth is, it takes some time of living in them before you begin to have the fruits of those labors. 
It's a growing, building thing. And the more we dive into it, the more we grow and the more precious they become to us. You know, we were talking about the time it takes to, to do these things, you know, on Wednesday with, with Scott and with Hockley there. And, and we were talking about the time and effort it takes to, to enjoy and be a part of these disciplines of joy to get to know Christ. And Hockley said, yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad we can't fast track some of this stuff. He said, actually, I've learned to fast track some stuff. He says, I've learned to cram a 24-hour fast into two hours of fasting. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good line. But it, it's as we practice and participate in these disciplines of joy that we get to know the host. But we participate in these disciplines not to become righteous, but because we have been made righteous because we are in these relationships with God. And we just want to drive that relationship deeper and know the host who has made us righteous. We do the stuff we do. Not to become righteous. But because we have been made righteous. You know, I was really helped by Ross Hastings. And when he talks about this stuff, he said, it's like this, guys. Once you're married, you don't work hard at pursuing and getting to know your spouse to get married again. You pursue your spouse and you do those things to get to know your spouse and love your spouse because you are already married and you are becoming one flesh. And so it is with these disciplines with Jesus. We do it not, not, you know, because we want to be righteous. No, we're already made righteous in Jesus by the faithfulness of Jesus. But I'm going to pursue those things because I want to become one with him, as the passage says. And, and man, you know, the invitation is for us to do that with all the passion that we can muster up. I was listening to Matt Chandler, I know. I was listening to Matt Chandler about uh, teaching on this, on this passage here. And he pointed to some historical figures and their passion. Listen to, listen to what Augustine says in his confessions. Now you've got to understand that before his mother finally beat him down to it, Augustine, he just was in the pursuit, rich guy, he's in the pursuit and the pleasures of life, everything that all the party life could, could give you. That's kind of his background. This is what he wrote. Oh Christ Jesus, my strength and my redeemer, how sweet did it suddenly become to me to be without the delights of trifles. And what at one time I feared to lose, it was now a joy to me to put away. For you cast them away from me. You true and highest sweetness, you cast them away and instead of them entered yourself. Now was my soul free from the gnawing curse of seeking and getting and of wallowing and exciting the itch of lust. And I babbled into you my brightness, my riches and my health, my Lord and my God." You hear the passion in the words, forsaking everything that attracted me before. Let's come up a few centuries. Martin Luther, the great reformer, in his prayer, 
I call upon you. I wish to devout my mouth and my heart to you. I shall teach the people. I myself will learn and ponder diligently upon your word. Use me as your instruments, but do not forsake me. For if ever I should be on my own, I would easily wreck it all. The great Puritan, English Puritan John Owen. On Christ's glory, I would fix all my thoughts and desires. And the more I see the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes, and I will be more and more crucified to this world. It will become to me like something dead and putrid, impossible for me to enjoy. To hear the passion of the pursuit, as we talked about this, Hockley reminded me of Jim Phillips. If you're an old Church of Christ, you know Jimmy Phillips. He was like a preacher about a generation before. Say, John and Karen from Calgary with us. He preached in church that she and I went to for a long time. We can pass it there. Jimmy Phillips, you know, for decades preached and served. And when he was in his 80s, he retired down to a soil school so he could be near his kids. And it was hot and he liked that because he was from California. And Hockley was saying when he went to visit Jimmy, Jimmy did a couple of things. One is he would walk across the street and go to, I think it was Wendy's that he'd eat every meal at. And the rest of the time, he'd just read the Bible. I said, like, Jim, what are you, I mean, you've been doing this for a couple of months now, you know, <laughs> like years, decades, why are you doing that? And Jimmy would just say, I, I just want to know more. I just want to know more. This is the passion of pursuing the host of this great party of grace and joy into which Jesus invites us and gives us entrance. And so my invitation to us this week is to think about the things that consume us, good things. I'm not talking about sinful, I'm just, we know we're not supposed to do that, but, but the good things, the good things that we're, Give us joy and we're passionate about so they can consume us and we put our energy in. And just ask myself this question. Is my passion for Jesus surpassing that? Can I really say that the joy of getting to know my Jesus makes all that other stuff look like a trifle even dung because I want to know the host of this party almighty God this great incredible truth of your love and of your grace a grace by which we are saved and a grace by which we are living keep us true to that grace Lord it's so easy for us, for me, <laughs> to just sort of get off the rails and, and, and start to count on myself again. It, it's craziness. And sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it. But if I can keep you, Jesus, at the center of my life and heart, if I can make you the object of my passion, if I can live my life, I just want to know more. I just want to know him a bit more. I just want to love him more. The joy that that brings, the confidence that that brings. So Lord, 
Help us to enjoy and live out this great party of your grace. May the pursuit of you, Jesus, consume us. Amen. <laughs>